At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. It is, of course, hilarious that 12 days after doing his holier-than-thou bit about Biden's documents and the responsibilities of vice presidents, Mike Pence's attorneys have revealed they had found classified documents in his home. It is more than hilarious. It is the exact definition of Shakespeare's phrase, hoist with his own petard. It is, of course, perfection that when the president of the United States needed something, anything, to short-circuit the momentum slowly turning his trivial document case into something the lazy, pudding-brained American political media complex could turn into a both-sidesist counterpoint to Trump's national security and nuclear espionage document case, it was handed to Mr. Biden on a silver platter by the man Trump tried to get hanged on January 6, 2021. It is, of course, tantalizing to know today that the special grand jury sitting at Fulton County, Georgia, has recommended multiple indictments in Trump's attempt to fix the 2020 election results there, and that the district attorney there says her decision on whether or not to bring charges is imminent. And it is, of course, great that Scott Rowland has been elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. All of that is true and juicy, and it is seemingly a full meal, and I am going to try to convince you now that none of those is the most important story today or this week or so far this year. I want you to forget all of them and to concentrate on three names, three names who seemingly flew past us on Monday. Charles McGonagall, Oleg Deripaska, and the other man Deripaska employed, Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort, and how, at this late day, the three of them, especially McGonagall, may yet 
put Trump in jail forever for working with Russian forces to fix the 2016 presidential election. And let us now agree to banish that most mealy-mouthed of words, collusion, and use the true, harsher one, conspiracy. To remind you, the Department of Justice made arrests Saturday, issued indictments Monday about this extraordinary development that Charles McGonigal had gone from investigating Oleg Deripaska for his role in Russian interference in the 2016 election to secretly and illegally working for Oleg Deripaska in 2021. These charges could get McGonigal 75 years in prison. Yet they barely scratch the surface because McGonigal is at the center of the most brazen political criminal act in the history of this nation. Charles McGonigal is one of the key players, how key we do not yet know, in the FBI's decision to set a match to the Department of Justice's pious, self-congratulatory policy still in use, as we know all too well today, to never act in any way to interfere with an upcoming election. On October 4th, 2016, the FBI issued a press release. FBI Director James B. Comey has named Charles McGonigal as the special agent in charge of the Counterintelligence Division for the New York Field Office. Mr. McGonigal entered on duty with the FBI in 1996. He was first assigned to the New York Field Office, where he worked with Russian foreign counterintelligence and organized crime matters. On Friday, October 28, 2016, so 24 days after McGonigal was appointed and 11 days before the presidential election, the FBI interfered with our presidential election. Director Comey wrote to four senators and four congressmen, all committee chairs, all Republicans, that he had now to change the conclusion he had testified to, that the FBI had completed its investigation of Hillary Clinton's email server and the matter was closed. Quote, the FBI has learned of the existence of emails that appear to be pertinent to that investigation. I agreed that the FBI should take appropriate investigative steps designed to allow investigators to review these emails Although the FBI cannot yet assess whether or not this material may be significant. Just in case that, seeming to reopen the trivial Clinton email stories story because of the trivial discovery of more trivial emails, giving birth to a million headlines like the one that covered half the New York Times front page emails in Anthony Weiner inquiry, jolt Hillary Clinton's campaign in case that did not complete the FBI's goal of throwing the election to Trump. The following Monday, October 31st, 2016, came a headline that might have even been more egregious, atop a story that had been leaked to the New York Times. Investigating Donald Trump, FBI sees no clear link to Russia. It was a sober and serious article, which was basically there only to justify the use of that headline. In it, there was an anonymously sourced conclusion about Trump that, quote, 
No evidence has emerged that would link him or anyone else in his business or political circle directly to Russia's election operations. At least one part of the investigation has involved Paul Manafort. But the focus in that case was on Mr. Manafort's ties with a kleptocratic government in Ukraine. Thus, in the span of four days, the FBI smeared Hillary Clinton anew because the previous smear had not done the job. And then it ostensibly cleared Donald Trump and it insisted Paul Manafort was not involved in the Russian conspiracy. And Director Comey acted on the record in one case and by anonymous innuendo in the second because, as testimony after testimony from witness after witness showed, Comey was afraid if he did not act, somebody in the FBI New York field office would leak the same story about Clinton and the Wiener laptop anyway and probably in even more garish and blood-curdling ways. I will spare you the countless on-the-record evidence, all of it lining up, all of it running from the most liberal sources to the most conservative ones. But on that same day, October 31st, 2016, after the Times story, whitewashing, covering up, colluding with Trump's involvement in the Russia conspiracy, Attorney General Loretta Lynch met in private with James Comey, and as Lynch later phrased it in her testimony, quote, we've got to talk about the New York office in general, and he said yes, and I said we both work with them, we both know them, we both, you know, think highly of them. I said, but this has become a problem, and he said, he said to me, that it had become clear to him he didn't say over the course of what investigation or whatever. He said, it's clear to me that there is a cadre of senior people in New York who have a deep and visceral hatred of Secretary Clinton. And he said, it is, it is deep. It's, and he said, he said it was surprising to him or, or stunning to him. A cadre of senior people in New York who have a deep and visceral hatred of Secretary Clinton. And the senior people in the FBI field office in New York included were perhaps led by the brand new head of the counterintelligence division in the New York field office, the old hand on Russia, the expert running the entireties of the FBI's investigation of Trump and Russia, Charles McGonagall, the defendant, who within five years would be working for one of the Russians at the Russian end of the 2016 presidential election conspiracy, who is today facing 75 years in jail for his own conspiracy with a Russian, with a Russian oligarch, with a Russian oligarch Putin ally, with the man who paid Trump's campaign manager millions, the one who just happened to work for free, who just happened to be so convinced of the necessity of a Trump presidency that after Trump lost at the Iowa Republican caucuses on February 1st, 2016, this man went to one of his oldest friends, who was also a friend of Trump and shouted at him, I've got to get to Trump. I've got to get to him. Paul Manafort. The Trump-Russia conspiracy, which six and a half years ago we were naively minimizing by calling it collusion, was not only true, is not only true, but we can now be certain it constituted Donald Trump's real first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. And we can also conclude it worked.
We need to look at these men, McGonagall, Derpaska, and Manafort, which I will do throughout the rest of this edition of Countdown. I've got to get to Trump after this. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Of McGonagall, Deripaska, and Manafort, Part 2. Constant listeners may remember I did two video series for GQ magazine in 2016 and 2017, the unfortunately and ultimately inaccurately named The Closer, and the more close to the mark, The Resistance. These two series constituted an effort to fight back in real time against what is ever more clear. Much of the rest of this podcast will be drawn from things reported in those series. They were true then. Somehow they seem truer now. This nation was not only the victim of an attack on its form of government by a foreign power, but the attack was a conspiracy and it had two axes, one in the Kremlin in Moscow and one in the other Kremlin in Trump Tower in New York City. And covering both the attack and the conspiracy was this vast, shifting, billowing, poisoned fog. Probably the greatest example of gaslighting in this nation's history. And Paul Manafort, who, like the just-indicted Charles McGonagall, worked for Oleg Deripaska, Paul Manafort was at its core. Quote, shortly after Trump lost the Iowa caucuses, the Washington Post wrote about the supposed Trump whisperer billionaire Tom Barrack 
he reconnected with his old friend Manafort, a longtime Republican consultant. I really need to get to Trump, Manafort said, according to Barrack. He told Barrack he wanted to work as Trump's convention manager, helping him navigate what they expected would be a contentious affair. I really need to get to Trump. Why ever would Paul Manafort have put it that way? Get to. Why ever would Paul Manafort tell a friend of 40 years, he knew this man, Barrack, 40 years, that he had to get to Trump? Whatever the reason, it worked. He would convince Barrack to send Trump and to send to Ivanka Trump emails encouraging them to let Manafort get to Donald Trump. And the next thing you knew, Manafort was high in the Trump campaign and attending the Trump Jr. meeting with the Russian lawyer Natalia Veselnetskaya. And then he was chairman of the campaign and all of it for free. Why? I think we got the answer in a report by NBC News from October 15th, 2017. Quote, Paul Manafort has much stronger financial ties to a Russian oligarch than had been previously reported. An NBC News investigation reveals that $26 million changed hands in the form of a loan between a company linked to Manafort and the oligarch, Oleg Deripaska. Oleg Deripaska, a billionaire with close ties to the Kremlin. The loan brings the total of their known business dealings to around $60 million over the past decade, according to financial documents filed in Cyprus and the Cayman Islands. Why did Manafort really need to get to Trump? Well, there are 60 million reasons right there. It is an old analogy. If you're outside in a thunderstorm at night when the lightning flashes for a second or two, you get a picture of the landscape so vivid, so illuminated that you can almost see everything in too much detail. And then until the next thunderstorm, it is pitch black again. The Trump-Russia conspiracy is a lot like that. Even before the 2016 election, we got flashes of insight with never enough exposure to truly see them for what they really are. And then for an unpredictable length of time, there was just darkness. And one of the things we have presumably seen but not been able to process is evidence of why the people around Trump allegedly sold this country out to the Russians. Not why he would have done it. You've seen him now for eight years, and you and I both know he would do anything for power or for spite or for applause. But why would the people around him do it? According to the Cyprian financial documents, the $26 million went from a company owned by the Russian oligarch directly to a firm connected to Manafort. And Deripaska's company issued a $7 million unsecured loan to another Cyprus firm connected to Manafort. And the two Cyprus companies that got the total of $33 million from the Russian, they in turn loaned $27 million to a corporation in Delaware, that NBC also reported was linked to Manafort. It's called Jessand LLC. Jessand. Manafort has two daughters, Jessica and Andrea. Jessand. So actually, those 60 million reasons Paul Manafort had might be more like 85 or 86 million. The October 2017 NBC piece is full of references to money laundering. 
And the special counselor, Mr. Mueller, not only got warrants to search Manafort's home, he got no-knock warrants that basically permitted the FBI to break down Manafort's door because there was reason to believe that if they knocked, Manafort might try to destroy the evidence. I really need to get to Trump. Almost as interesting as these dangerously high sums of Russian money Manafort was reportedly receiving, handling, laundering. Before, he just had to get to Trump and become his campaign chairman for free. Was the reaction to the NBC story by Manafort's spokesman. Actually, make that reactions. There were two different reactions to the NBC story. Quote, Jason Maloney declined to give specific answers about the loans, but released a statement to NBC News saying in part, Mr. Manafort is not indebted to former clients today, nor was he at the time he began working for the Trump campaign. A clear and robust denial, except... Again, quoting NBC's coverage, Manafort's spokesman Maloney, quote, later revised that statement, removing that sentence entirely. Maloney's second response to the story of the 60 million reasons is not about debt or clients or when Manafort began working for Trump. It's merely about how poor Manafort was under surveillance and wild conspiracy theories, and he never colluded with the Russian government, and absolutely nothing questioning any of the reporting. The reporting that Manafort was up to his eyeballs in $60 million in Russian money, and somehow financially obligated to former clients when he just had to get to Trump to work as his campaign manager for free. Concurrent with all that, the House Intelligence Committee was reportedly investigating and receiving documents from the company Cambridge Analytica, owned in part at times by Steve Bannon and the right-wing billionaire and Trump supporter Robert Mercer. And the investigation was about the company's possible role in the use of micro-targeted Facebook ads and propaganda during the campaign, ads paid for by branches of the Russian government. And the analysts at Oxford University in England reported that they had discovered there was a, quote, entire ecosystem of that pro-Trump propaganda on Facebook and Twitter, which was micro-targeted specifically at current and former U.S. military personnel. I really need to get to Trump. This is, I think, where a timeline of events of 2016 and 2017 and now beyond might be very, very helpful. We all absorbed these things in real time as they happened, as one might absorb getting hit by a different car every day. In the moment, it just hurts. From the distance, you can now see that the different cars all had the same couple of drivers. Let's begin with Manafort. Like McGonagall, the Deripaska employee, the other Deripaska employee, right after the Iowa caucuses, Trump lost. So this is February 2 or 3 or 4, 2016, when he tells Tom Barak, I really need to get to Trump. March 2016, Trump names a new campaign coordinator in charge of getting delegate pledges. His name is Paul Manafort. April 27th, 2016, the Russian ambassador to this country, Sergei Kislyak, attempts Trump's first major foreign policy speech at the Mayflower Hotel in Washington. Trump and Kislyak meet, perhaps briefly, perhaps privately. 
Jeff Sessions will later say he does not recall meeting Kislyak at all. But we later learned Kislyak told the Kremlin he and Sessions, quote, discussed campaign-related matters, including policy issues important to Moscow. June 3rd, 2016, per his own email chain, Trump Jr. is offered a meeting at which he will be given, quote, very high-level and sensitive information that would incriminate Hillary as part of Russia and its government's support for Mr. Trump. June 7th, 2016, Trump Jr. confirms that meeting, and three hours later, Trump himself promises a speech the following week about Hillary Clinton's, quote, corrupt dealings with the Russians. June 9th, 2016, Trump Jr. and Manafort and Kushner meet with the Russians inside Trump Tower, and 10 to 20 minutes after the meeting ends, Trump tweets disparagingly about Clinton's emails, and for the first time, he uses the number 33,000 emails. June 15, 2016, the hacker Guccifer 2.0 posts documents hacked from the computers of the Democratic National Committee. June 20, 2016, Trump fires his first campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski. His replacement is given hiring decisions, advertising decisions, control over media strategy, and a budget that was increased by $20 million, but none for him because he's going to work for free. Paul Manafort. July 7, 2016, the Trump National Security Advisor Carter Page travels to Moscow, ostensibly to give a speech to a Russian economics institute, broadly criticizing U.S. foreign policy. He will later be investigated on an accusation of meeting with the Russian leader in charge of monitoring and meddling with the American election. July 18, 2016, during the Republican convention, Ambassador Kislyak meets with Carter Page and Jeff Sessions. And in a report, Kislyak informed, quote, his superiors in Moscow who were eager for updates about the candidates' positions. July 27th, 2016, at what would prove to be the last news conference of his campaign, Donald Trump urges Russia to find Clinton's emails. If you're listening... September 8th, 2016, Jeff Sessions meets with Ambassador Kislyak in Sessions' own Senate office. Even later, intelligence sources will not reveal what, if anything, they have learned of Kislyak's message to the Kremlin about this, his third separate meeting with Sessions. October 4th, 2016, FBI Director Comey makes a change in the New York FBI office, which he fears might be about to go rogue. He names a new head of the investigation into Trump and Russia. Man's name is Charles McGonagall. October 7th, 2016, having repeatedly boasted of contact with Guccifer 2.0 and Julian Assange, and then tweeted about Clinton's campaign chairman, it will soon be John Podesta's time in the barrel, and Assange and payroll coming. Roger Stone watches as WikiLeaks begins to publish 20,000 pages of emails stolen out of Podesta's computer. October 28, 2016, Comey of the FBI reveals the Anthony Weiner laptop. Laptops again. Where have we heard of laptops recently? 
Republicans immediately announced the FBI has reopened the Hillary Clinton emails case, which he actually did not do, but might as well have. And he did all this because he feared if he did not, senior agents in New York would do it. Among the senior agents in the New York field office is Charles McGonagall. October 31st, 2016, anonymous FBI sources tell the New York Times a week and two days before the election that they have, in essence, cleared Trump in the Russia case. Oh, and cleared Manafort, too. December 1st or 2nd, 2016, Kislyak goes to Trump Tower, meets with Kushner and the incoming National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, and Jared Kushner proposes using Russian embassies or consulates or other Russian intelligence-controlled communications systems to allow Michael Flynn of the Trump transition team to talk directly to people in Moscow without Americans knowing about it. January 10th, 2017, at his confirmation hearing, Sessions testifies under oath before the Senate, quote, I didn't have, did not have communications with the Russians. May 10th, 2017, Trump reveals classified intelligence, later reported to be specifics of Israel's penetration of ISIS, to the Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov in the Oval Office with no Americans present, only Ambassador Kislyak and a Russian photographer. June 13th, 2017, Sessions testifies to the Senate and again denies that he ever met with Kislyak at the Mayflower Hotel, says he doesn't even remember any brief interaction with him. July 7th, 2017, Trump meets Vladimir Putin with no other Americans present again for a private meeting again, initially undisclosed to anyone at the G20 summit in Germany. July 8th, 2017, Trump Jr. issues a statement claiming his Russian meeting at Trump Tower was actually about adoptions. It is later reported the statement denying it was about anything else was dictated by Trump Sr. while he was aboard Air Force One. 2018, exact date unknown, Charles McGonagall retires from the FBI. February 14th, 2019, Trump names William Barr as his new attorney general. Three Democrats vote to confirm Barr. Two of them, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. April 18th, 2019, Attorney General Barr announces the conclusion of special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election. He utterly mischaracterizes Mueller's findings and says no Americans colluded with the Russians. Trump immediately declares he has been utterly cleared and found innocent. At an unspecified date in 2021, Charles McGonigal begins to work surreptitiously and illegally for... Oleg Deripaska of the $60 million to Paul Manafort Deripaskas. At least that's what's in the charge sheet. On January 21st, 2023, Charles McGonigal is arrested by the very FBI for which he once worked for his collusion with Deripaska. I'll conclude this special edition next with something I wrote the morning after Trump's election. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Of McGonagall, Deripaska, and Manafort, part three. Forgive me if you've heard this final part before. I wrote it as the million threads of grim news gathered together in front of all of us on election night, November 8th, 2016. The moment of the proverbial sum of all fears. I think, with the arrest of a man now linked to the Russian Oleg Deripaska in an allegation of crime serious enough to send him to jail for decades, and linked to the FBI's tampering with the election, first by falsely re-smearing Hillary Clinton 11 days before that election and then falsely clearing Donald Trump three days later. I think this is best heard virtually intact with minor changes only, made only for the sake of clarity and tense. This is the script of the final edition of my first GQ video series, The Closer. I recorded it first, literally, just after sunrise, on the grim morning of Wednesday, November 9th, 2016. I'd like to begin by congratulating the FBI on its successful coup against the electoral process of the United States of America. You've been working on one of these for a while, boys, and I know everybody at the Bureau is just delighted that the F can now also stand for fascist. Also, let us acknowledge something a little larger and a little less removed from treasonous malfeasance. The terrorists have won. This, after all, was their goal, now 21 long sad years ago, to strip from the world's foremost power its traditions of relative and growing tolerance, to hamstring the international influence of a country that rarely stuck to the double white line of the moral road, but came closer than any other, to take our energies from trying more or less to help the world move forward and instead to make us direct those energies inwards at one another within our own borders to divide us so to complete the rupture of our settled bizarre culture that had been so long based on the inner monologue of i really can't stand those people in the other party or the other state or of the other color but my strongest emotion is going to remain annoyance rather than hate because we are all americans and we are all in this together today officially that's gone 
Obviously, the perpetrators of 9-11 had other designs that have yet to come to pass. The destabilization of all the secular states of the Middle East, the rising up of a caliphate, etc. But for the moment, that's not important to our discussions here because the premise of the 2001 terrorism here was to take those divisions that were already then apparent in American society and multiply them by fear. Fear of more attacks, of sedition, of disloyalty, of weakness, of difference, of immigrants, of minorities, of the loss of the playing field that was still tilted towards white people, but was leveling just a little more every year. It took a long time. A long time for hatred and fear to find some figure here who would pander to it. Someone whose ego and lust for power would be the perfect vessel to exploit our collective post-traumatic stress disorder. Someone who would say anything, do anything, have an answer for everything, even if the answer was made up out of whole cloth and on the spot. The goals of those who attacked us in 2001 finally found an outlet. And last night, Americans, certainly half of them with no more sense of the permanence or importance of their decision than they brought to their votes for American Idol, opened the door and put the spokesman for hate and fear and bluster and most of all, incompetence in charge of the nation. Collectively, we have slit our own throats and ordered, mixed, drank, and paid the bill for our own poison. So what is next? If you look for transformation within the new elected leader, fat chance. Nothing has changed him in 70 years. And if there is anything to guarantee that he will not temper his Hitlerian personality, that he will not be restrained by any remaining adults among Republican leadership in the House or Senate, that he will not reach out to those who did not vote for him, if anything could actually increase his obstinance and refusal to share or delegate, it would be this extraordinary, unprecedented development in American history. Right now, he thinks he is Superman. But of course he is not. The economy will be a complete shambles. There will be no fix available from making great deals, corner cutting or bellowing, I'm not paying for sloppy work. He will, of course, insist that everything is great and his mere presence will assure we have made America great. And anybody who thinks otherwise is disloyal or an ISIS sympathizer or somebody he's going to sue. As the standard of living plummets, he will try a diversion, the wall or the deportations. But boy, those things take time. So we'll probably do what they all do when there is no fix to the vital day-to-day -day issues. A war or some bizarre gambit in the Middle East that will in fact restore ISIS and destabilize the world just a little bit more every week. It will be bad. It will be very bad. Americans and others will die. But necessarily, there will be blowback. There always is blowback against the good, as this election just showed, but also blowback against the bad. And at some juncture soon, there will be a resistance. Those of us who warned against and pleaded against and fought against this madness will find avenues for dissent, which will have enough support to at least impede the monster. Put any title you like in front of his name, and this is still an aggressively self-destructive man, and it will be the goal of the resistance to help him in that task.
At some other juncture, soon or late, probably even before the midterms of 2018, a tipping point will be reached, whether it's war or the economy or some wild card we can't see yet and is bouncing around in that great stash of funhouse mirrors in his head, it will be the Republican governors and the Republican senators and the Republican congressmen who will see the crowds of Republican voters demanding action against the irresponsible and delusional president, and an impeachment will begin of what is nominally a Republican president by a Republican Congress. None of that is guaranteed. But it should be noted that Richard Nixon was not forced from office until his Republican colleagues acted in concert with Democrats to remove him. Moreover, the political history of this country for the last 50 years has been a series of wild pendulum swings. From the Civil Rights Acts to Richard Nixon in three years, from Bill Clinton to George W. Bush in three seconds, from Barack Obama to this creature in less than three months. And if this creature is still in charge of this government and has not yet fled the country, then there are those midterms in 2018 and the attempt to begin a restoration unless he acts in the interim against free elections. And I would never assume that in a nightmare like this, the Freddy Krueger in chief suddenly starts obeying the laws about elections. In any event, I'll leave you with three quotes. It's H.L. Mencken from 1926, and the long form of it actually is, no one in this world, so far as I know, has ever lost money by underestimating the intelligence of the great masses of the plain people. The other quote here, of course, is, you can fool all the people some of the time, and some of the people all the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time. This is attributed to Abraham Lincoln, and it pretty much sums up that phase of the American experiment, which the electorate ended last night. Because there's no real evidence that Lincoln ever said that. Plus, in short, you can fool all the people just long enough to become the first anti-democracy president of the United States. And one more quote. Conceit, probably. Whistling past graveyards, perhaps. A little Churchill adjusted to the occasion. Even though large tracts of America and many old and famous states have fallen or may fall into the grip of Trump and all the odious apparatus of Trump rule, we shall not flag or fail. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in state legislatures. We shall fight in the stores and banks. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our America, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight online. We shall fight in the press and on the television. We shall fight on the street corners of public opinion. We shall never surrender. Wednesday, November 9th, 2016. I will add one thing more only in closing. With the news of McGonagall and Deripaska and by extension Manafort and Trump and Putin and Comey and everybody else, I urge President Biden or Majority Leader Schumer, or both of them, to impanel a commission, senatorial or presidential, to formally investigate the 2016 presidential election and the roles that McGonagall, Deripaska, Manafort, and others played in Russia's successful effort to install Donald Trump as their puppet in the White House. 
And if anybody says, well, we can't do that, we can't use the investigative or legislative apparatuses of this country to act so close to a presidential election and aimed so directly at a presidential candidate, my reply is, Mr. President, Mr. Senate leader, subpoena them too. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote 